Before I get started, I would like to issue this disclaimer. I am not a mental health professional. I am an individual who is passionate about mental health and topics related to mental health. Research has been done on these topics and I am sharing my own personal experience. All conversation and information exchange are intended for informational and entertainment purposes only. Any information shared should not be used as medical advice or to self-diagnose. If you believe you are experiencing an emergency, please talk to your primary physician or call 911. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Mind If We Chat. I'm your host, Sarah. I cannot believe this is episode 20. 20 episodes in already, so I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, So I just wanted to say thank you to everybody who participated in the self-love bingo and the random acts of kindness. That was really fun, and I'm glad we could do that together. I hope I can come up with some more challenges. Anybody has some suggestions, DM me. We'll, uh, We'll have some fun together. Um, so today I have a very special guest with me, my cousin, Alicia Garcia. Hello, Alicia. Hello. How are you doing today? I'm doing really good. How are you? I'm pretty good. A little tired, a little tired. It's been a long week. But, uh, <laughs> oh, it definitely has been. <laughs> I'm doing really good. Thanks for asking. So Today, I thought you'd be really good, and I wanted you to talk to me today about anxiety, because girl, it's real. <laughs> the struggle sure is real. Is. Definitely is. <laughs> so, so before we get into it, tell us a little bit about yourself. So, uh, my name's Alicia. I'm 23 years old. Um, I have a bachelor's degree in psychology that I earned from St. Xavier University, and I'm currently in the clinical mental health counseling program at DePaul University. Yes. So (laughs) therapist in training here. Um, So that's exciting. I work for ComPsych, which is an employee assistance program. So I process claims for FMLA um, for, you know, people who might need time off due to their own illness or their family members illness, mental health even. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's been great. And I'm excited to be here with you. Yeah, I did not know you worked for ComPsych when I used to do the, yeah. um, I used to do like a assistant to the therapist at a small counseling practice. I used to see ComPsych come through all the time. That's so cool. Yeah, we have so many claims. I've been there for almost two years now, so okay. it's been really good. Oh, well, that's, I did not know that. <laughs> that's yeah. so cool. And congratulations about DePaul. Like, oh, thank you, Xavier so DePaul. Like, girl, get it. Like, thank I, you so much. <laughs> I love to see it. I really do because I feel like, you know, us being women of color, us being Hispanic women, it's one of those things like we're doing things out here. We really, really are. Yeah. It's definitely very scary. Lots of anxiety around that. which is ironic. Um, but it's definitely something that I'm really excited for, like envisioning myself as a therapist, being able to help people who struggle with the same things that I'm struggling with. So, you know, it's really important to go into it, understanding that like I'm human, I'm feeling these things and I understand so I can help, you know? So it's definitely been a journey so far and I'm, you know, looking forward to the, to the road ahead. 
Yeah. So what does the timeline look like to, to graduate? So I am just like in my first year right now. Okay. So there, like, I think the program goes on for like three years, um, two years of, you know, getting my coursework done and everything. And then the third year is like practicum and internships and things like that. And really like going a little more hands-on. Um, so right now I'm just kind of in the beginning stages. This is going to be my third quarter that I'm going into next month. Okay. So, um, I'm right in the beginning of it, but also I'm, you know, diving in a little more each time. Yeah. That's so cool. Alicia. I'm so excited for you. And I think like, (laughs) that's a lot of inspiration for therapists, right? Like I know quite a few people who have become therapists who have said like, it's my own struggles that make me want to like help other people. It's like, hell yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Of course. It's just, you know, when you struggle with it yourself and you don't want others to struggle with the same thing, Mm -hmm. it's just, it makes so much sense to go into the field and to have that empathy and compassion for others, you know, and be able to, to walk alongside someone else's journey with them. So it's definitely very, very important to me. So thank you. Yeah. So I'm really excited for you. I can't wait. I know you're going to do really, really good things. So yeah, I'm excited. So let's hop into it, Alicia. Um, So today we are talking about anxiety. How old were you when you were diagnosed with anxiety? Um, I was 22. So it was just like about a year and a half ago. Um, Although I've, you know, dealt with anxiety much longer than that. It just took me a little while to, you know, seek therapy and get the diagnosis that I was kind of already assuming, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, so yeah, it's been about a year and a half. Okay. So what led to you being diagnosed? Did you go and talk to therapist? Yes. So I was going through quite a few things at the time. And so I just, you know, as these things kept occurring, I started to feel increased anxiety and it was a little more difficult for me to manage. Um, And so I wasn't practicing self-care. I wasn't, you know, doing anything to kind of reduce some of my symptoms. Um, I would kind of explain it as very like overwhelming and kind of out of control. Um, And so there was just a point where I thought, you know, maybe I need to see somebody about this. Maybe I need to talk to somebody and have like that safe space to be able to kind of take everything that's scrambled inside of me and, you know, put it on a table for, you know, my therapist and I to talk about and to explore a little bit. Um, and so that's kind of what led me to that. I just, I noticed that I wasn't really myself. I wasn't feeling good. Um, and so I just reached a point where I thought, you know, maybe, maybe it would be helpful to reach out to someone. Okay. So I heard you say that you had anxiety, like you felt it before you just really didn't know what it was. So what were the type of things that were happening to you that you felt? So for me, I get a lot of like excessive worry. Um, I have like a very huge sense of impending doom. I feel like I already kind of knew what my my diagnosis would be because like I was studying psychology. So I was Mm -hmm. very interested in like self-discovery, self-exploration in those areas. Um, And so 
I just, it, it was just kind of like increasing it for me. Mostly it's just worry impending doom. And then after all of that energy goes into that, it turns into physical symptoms for me. So like body aches, tension, Mm. fatigue, things like that. So a lot of what I was experiencing then those they're kind of lingering still. Um, but I have like a better grasp and a better awareness when it comes up, I can soothe myself a lot better than I was like a a year or two ago. Yeah. And that's what therapy does, right? Like therapy allows you to alleviate some of those symptoms and recognize them and manage them before they Uh, hit a point where it's kind of like, it's going to take a little while to come back now because anxiety is just one of those things. Like we all have like anxiety is natural, right? We all get nervous. Like before public speaking, I know a lot of people who say like, I'm so nervous, but then once it happens, they're not, it's not as bad, but there are some people who it's excessive during the present. It could mess up their presentation after they're dissecting everything they didn't say could have said it goes on for days and days and days so that's the difference between someone who has anxiety and doesn't like anxiety is normal everybody has it but it's when it's like excessive like you said excessive worrying like you know like the world is on fire (laughs) I don't know and your mind creates all of these different scenarios of what could happen or what should have happened or something bad is going to happen. Something bad is lingering. And it's really, really hard to shake that feeling, especially if you don't have like that safety and that space to be able to, to talk about it. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's also important that, you know, it's noted that anxiety is just different for everybody. I believe that everybody experiences things on such an individual level Mm -hmm. that it's so important to reach out to a professional about these things. Of course, you know, friends and family, they're so helpful, but a professional is really able to focus on you and how this is manifesting for you. Um, And, you know, everyone copes with it differently. Everybody handles it differently. So I found that to just be so helpful. You know, you can Google ways to help yourself, but if it doesn't fit for you, it doesn't fit for you. And you just need to fine tune and find something that does, you know? Yeah, I agree. One, I'm sorry. One of my son's toy just went off in the room. <laughs> like, what was no that? problem. <laughs> no. So, and that's the way, like, I look at it, right? Like, that's why we have individual therapy. Not everybody, we right. have group therapy so we could hear different experiences, but an individual, you sit with someone who's able to like really help you. Like being in my experience, being in therapy and having anxiety, it's like before the house was on fire, right? I I, like immediately something triggers me. The house is on fire. I can't get out. I'm stuck. Everything's a mess. I can't control anything. But now having been in therapy for over two years, it's like, okay, I can start to see the smoke. Where's the extinguisher? Let's get the extinguisher and put the fire out before it starts to expand and burn down the whole house. And that approach for me has been most helpful, like in dealing with anxiety, but it is, it's individual based because some anxiety for some people presents itself as anger. Yes. Um, Yeah. Some, like some people more than others can have very like physiological responses that cause a lot of health issues. Um, yeah. Anything that you think you can add to that? 
Um, I heard from some of my peers at school that they found it really helpful to name their anxiety. So when they start getting those racing thoughts, they can say like, Bob, cut it out. Or Jessica, thank you for protecting me, but I don't need the protection right now. I'm okay. We're safe. So I heard that that was really helpful. I haven't tried that myself, um, but from a handful of people that I've heard it from, they swear by it. So it's interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. I'm going to have to try. What would you name your anxiety? If you could name your anxiety, what would you name it? If I can name my anxiety, I feel like that's a great question. <laughs> um, I'm going to have to sit with that one. I'm not, I'm not sure okay. right now. Okay. I'm going to have to sit with that. But definitely, I feel like I would pick something that wasn't like awful, you know, just like kind of like a regular name so that I can kind of communicate with my anxiety sometimes, because I do believe that it's a signal to kind of help us and steer us in the right direction. Um, so, you know, everyone views it differently. Like you said earlier, some people have it as anger, so they would probably want a different type of name and have a different relationship with how that feels for them. Mm -hmm. Um, but for me, I think it's like important to shift that anxiety and get out of negative self-talk. So I would choose like to be kind to mine. Okay. Well, thank you for that, Alicia. I really like that naming your anxiety. I'm going to have to try that too, because I thought the first thing I thought was a negative name. So I'm going to do some reevaluation here. <laughs> You're fine. You know, everyone's an individual thing. Sure. So Alicia, what are some of the events that kind of trigger your anxiety? So for me, I feel like when I'm very stressed, I'm very anxious. It's mainly about my performance. Um, So in the work setting, in the academic setting, I'm really like a little bit of a perfectionist. So, you know, little mistakes, I find myself creating like a tunnel vision to that. And just, you know, the impending doom kicks in, the negative self-talk, the the physiological responses. Um, But it also happens, you know, in social settings, I get you know, afraid to do public speaking, to, you know, work in groups with people sometimes. Um, If there's any conflicts in my relationships, it leads me right to impending doom. That's kind of like one of my biggest things. Um, So kind of things like that. Yeah. And as I was doing like reading, trying to understand my anxiety, like previously in the past, I would read a lot of people would say like qualities about me that other people see as I'm a perfectionist, right? Because you, you get anxious. Like, did I do this right? Okay. I have to do this right. I have in those thoughts, those excessive thoughts start to come into play. Right. right? Do you experience that often? Yes, I do. It's gotten much better with therapy. Mm -hmm. Um, but in the beginning, like before I, went to therapy, it was kind of like debilitating. So, um, it was definitely like one of my biggest struggles and I'm learning to catch it now. I'm learning to be aware of it and, you know, understand that minor mistakes is just like a learning opportunity and it's a moment for me to grow. So it's, there's no reason to beat myself up about little things like that. Yeah. Cause it is, it is easy to kind of fall into that, right. To look at a mistake and like, 
really just dissect and repeatedly yeah. like, yeah. So I'm glad you're able to manage that because I can, I can understand that it's really hard. And I think I got to a point where I'm like, you know what? I, I there's too much going on. I don't even care anymore. <laughs> like, I just can't, I can't sit here and dissect anything. <laughs> yeah. And you have to be kind to yourself. It's so important, you know, understanding yeah. how that way of thinking affects you. Mm-hmm. I, that could exhaust me completely. And all of a sudden I'm super irritable. I, you know, can't communicate as well as I would normally. Um, so really understanding, like, do I want to go down that route again, or do I choose kindness for myself? Right. And that's where the challenge comes in, right? Right. To be able to challenge those thoughts because oftentimes you can get so wrapped up in your own mind and your own thoughts. It's almost like you said, it's debilitating. You can't focus on anything else, but the negative. And so that's why I think like trying to build a positive mindset is, is the best thing you can do. It really is. It's hard. It's not easy work. (laughs) It's so hard, especially like for me, I find that especially when you start working through these things, I notice after the fact, like, oh, wow, I just spent all day or the past few days ruminating on this one thing. I, I could have stopped it, you know? So there's like a lot of going back and forth of what you could have, you know, and it kind of extends your anxiety a little bit sometimes. Right. Um, but it, it's all like learning process. It's kind of like building a muscle. You have to really like go through baby steps and build and build and build that strength. Mm-hmm. It's definitely not something that happens overnight. And that is something that I really had to learn and really had to accept Um, because I wanted things done. I wanted my healing to happen overnight. I wanted my anxiety gone overnight and it just doesn't work like that. So, you know, really accepting that this is something that you have to actively work on and build. Right. And like you just said, it's like, you have to build that muscle in your brain. Right. And I always like to refer to like physical health when I talk about mental health, because they're all the same. Like they all share the same body in you. Right. So it's like, when you think about it, it's like when you start at the gym, you don't go full blown. Like I'm running on the treadmill five miles or I'm like doing like curls, like in all these heavy weights and things like that. You have to build up to that in order for you to physically be able to do more. And it's like the same thing with mental health. It's the same thing. If you have a disorder, you have to try these little baby steps to get, to be able to do more. And I feel like yeah, physical health and mental health are all to me where they, they share the same body. So if definitely. you're in the gym, you should be, you should definitely be considering like talking to someone. It's not, it's not a bad thing. It really isn't. And who knows, maybe in a few years, you'll be sitting down in Alicia's office. <laughs> <laughs> That's so exciting to think about. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm really excited for you, Alicia. I really, really am. Thank so you. um, what things make you feel better when you're anxious? Um, so for me, I really like to ground myself. It's so helpful. Usually I will go on YouTube and look up like meditation music, or, um, I believe like in the chakra system. So I will look up like chakra healing frequency music. Um, sometimes guided meditation helps me and really like focusing on my breath, slowing it down, um, recentering has helped me so much. I think focusing on my breath will probably be like my number one go-to 
Um, so I don't know if you've heard, you know, like you breathe into the count of four, you hold for four seconds, mm-hmm. you release for four seconds. And I do that repeatedly until I feel better. Um, and that has been so helpful for me, especially, you know, in moments where it's so difficult to see clearly because I'm just impending doom, fear, worry, things like that. Right. And that breath work I feel is really helpful. It really helps you come back to center. And because once you're there, it's hard, but if you have to sit and focus on breathing, it takes your mind away. Another good one is tapping. Yes. EFT. Mm -hmm. And I've talked about it before in the podcast. It's helpful because you're focused on tapping. Your thoughts can't go anywhere, but you're tapping. So um, I heard you say about grounding. Can you talk to us a little bit? Um, So if people aren't familiar, uh, maybe you can share what you know about grounding with us. So for me, grounding is just really getting back into the present moment, getting back to, you know, reality um, instead of like, I feel like floating above my head and in that fear and in that anxiety, I can kind of bring myself back down to my body, relax itself, um, and really help to just, you know, focus on my breathing and get back to me. Um, because I feel like if you don't really do that, you kind of over identify with that anxiety and it's just so easy to keep going down that route. So when you ground yourself, it's kind of like you're halting it. Um, in my experience. So another thing that I like to do is like the five, four, three, two, one technique, five things I can see, touch, feel, you know, smell, things like that. Um, Sometimes that's, you know, it's so hard to think about that in the moment. So another thing that's a little easier I found is, you know, pick your favorite color and look around and find all of the things that are that color. So right now, like I would, you know, look for things that are blue and it just gives you something to focus on so that you're not in the clouds with that anxiety. Right. Right. I like that. And I use those, that grounding technique, the five, four, three, two, one. And, um, I really have noticed when I'm feeling very anxious, if I chew gum that like in creating the saliva, even sitting there, if I don't have any gum, I'll try to like produce saliva. And even that activity, it's like, wait, what was I even mad? Like, what was I getting anxious about? <laughs> oh, I'm fine. Right. <laughs> right. Or I saw, um, there's so many helpful tips on the internet and like TikTok, they're all over. So I saw that there was this one post, um, that if you take like breath mints and you put like three in your mouth, that also like soothes you, mm-hmm. uh, and gives you something else to like focus on. Um, so I have a little thing of mints that I carry around with me. And that's kind of like, once in a while, most of the time I go for, you know, looking for my favorite color and pointing those things out, um, and the breathing. Okay. So for you, what makes your anxiety worse? So when it's starting to uptick, what starts to make it worse in the moment? Um, I think any stressors, um, if I have like deadlines that are approaching or, um, if I'm really like in that space and, there's like an overwhelming energy that comes in, like people, events, just like little minor things. I feel like it really just like overwhelms me. Like I'm already kind of at 10. Anything can kind of overflow me. Um, 
So yeah, just like things like that. If I don't get enough rest, if I don't get enough sleep, I feel like my anxiety will just kind of last a little longer. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah. So oftentimes when we get anxiety, we go into fight, flight, freeze our fawn. So I'm going to define those for anyone who's listening. Fight is facing any perceived threat aggressively. So it may be physical fighting, but it also could be just like the way you're talking, your mannerisms. It's just really aggressive. Uh, flight is running away from the danger. And we, as humans, uh, physiologically, we're built to do that. We're either fight or flight, but, um, freeze is you're unable to act, move, against a threat that's um, coming to you. And Fawn is immediately acting to try to please to avoid any conflict. Alicia, hearing those, what would you think most of the time your response is? Um, I definitely have like a mix of all of those sometimes, but I think the most might be the Fawn response. Okay. Um, it, it's like tied between the fawn and the flight. So I don't know if I should overcompensate and try, you know, to like push myself and push myself or if I need to just get out of this situation. So, uh, definitely kind of like a little tie between those two. Okay. I think my go-to used to be to freeze before or flight, like anytime a problem would arise, I'm like, I'm out of here. Like I'm not dealing with this. Like this right. is too much, this is too much, this is too much. But now as I've gotten older, unfortunately my response has become fight. Like any threat yeah. perceived because I, before I used to cry a lot, right. I was a big crier, like, but I turned that into, well, people might see me as weak. I can't cry. Mm-hmm. I have to, I have to stick up for myself and I have to be tough. And I, and I notice my anxiety now turns into anger. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's definitely like a layer of anger that you need to address with anxiety for sure. Right. Because anger is a secondary emotion. And most of the time we use anger. So that way people to hide those, to hide fear, to hide sadness, to hide like embarrassment. Like oftentimes we use anger is it's just easier. We don't want people to think we're soft. (laughs) Right. Right? I find that to be true for myself when I have spent days feeling really anxious and really like, you know, replaying these things in my mind and overthinking. And suddenly I'm so irritable. I, I feel like that's kind of like the end stage of my anxiety episode. Um, that irritability. I really get like frustrated and I go into flight and I have to like catch it because like you said, you know, I don't want people to think that I'm weak. I don't want people to know that I just spent days super anxious and all of this negative self-talk and self-doubt. So it's easier, you know, and safer to be able to put up that wall and, you know, come off as angry rather than vulnerable. Right. But knowing what like the responses are, how has that helped you? How how have you been able to like kind of respond to that? Like, I know what this is. Do you confront that at all? Like, I'm not going to flight. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to manage and I'm going to deal. Have you been able to do that? Yes. It's definitely something that I'm still working on. I'm still like building the strength in that area. 
Um, but I think like self-awareness is so important to be able to catch these things and to right. be able to understand, you know, like take a step back and ask myself, what am I doing right now? Am I in the fawn response? Am I in avoidance? You know, what is, what is this that I'm doing? Um, and really learning where to go next with that. So, you know, whenever I notice that I'm in one of these responses, I like to just kind of sit with myself and ask what I need, like what, what's going on that, you know, I'm responding or reacting in this way. Um, and sometimes, you know, I just need some rest. Sometimes I just need, you know, care from somebody. I need to call someone, Mm -hmm. um, and really like, I, I think that's grounding in itself as well you know, like coming back to reality and being able to talk to others. So, you know, it's different for everybody. I'm still fine tuning and finding what, what works for me. Right. And that's the thing too, as you get older, things change. So what may work for you now may not work for you later or what may not work for you now may work for you later. It's all about, and that's the human experience, right? We have to test these things out to see what works because we're, we're always changing. We're always evolving. So All right, Alicia. So for you and knowing, you know, what your anxious thoughts are, how do you manage them? Um, so for me, I really I really go to those tools. So going on YouTube, finding those things that can help me ground myself, um, specifically with the thoughts. I like to ask myself, like, is this true? Because most of the time, you know, like I've said, it's the impending doom for me. So asking myself, like, is this something that will actually happen? Um, And that's really, really hard to do. My therapist has helped me a lot with that, you know, testing like the validity of my anxious thoughts and, you know, trying to see it from a different perspective and reframing, you know, what can actually happen. Because, For me, nine times out of 10, I am creating scenarios that aren't going to happen. You know, this doom isn't coming. Um, It's just the anxiety that is believing all of that. So for me, it's definitely talking to somebody. And my therapist has given me the best and safest like space to be able to do that. Um, And so for me, I find that like I reach out to my therapist or if she's not available, you know, I reached out to a friend or definitely one of my siblings. And, you know, we, it kind of, again, brings me back to the present moment into reality and to what, you know, is actually happening. Right. And that was something we talked about in last week's episode with Melissa about depression was having a support system. Again, any mental illness or mental health disorder, it's always good to have a support system, having a therapist, having a friend, having family members that you're able to reach out to. And, you know, and even if you feel alone, the crisis um, suicide prevention hotline is always there. You know, it's always there to contact because we often feel that, right? Like I'm alone. I'm alone in this. No one understands me, but you're not alone, right? right. We're, you're sitting here talking to two people who have anxiety. You're not alone, right? And and that's the thing. Um, there are many people who have anxiety. Anxiety is, is real. <laughs> so some facts about anxiety that's reported by the ADAA, which is the Anxiety and Depression Association of America, 
Uh, Generalized anxiety disorder, also known as GAD, affects 6.8 million adults or 3.1% of the U.S. population, yet only 43.2% are receiving treatment. So that's a huge, huge amount of people who do have generalized anxiety. And, you know, 43%, when you think about 6.8 million adults, that's a pretty small percentage to be receiving treatment. Uh, Women are twice as likely to be affected as men, and GAD often co-occurs with major depression, which that makes sense. Melissa and I kind of talked a little bit last week, like she uh, deals with anxiety as well. And depression and anxiety together, whoo, that's the perfect storm. (laughs) It definitely is. I I feel like most of the time they go hand in hand. or you, you know, become part of this cycle where you're really anxious. And because of all of that anxiety, you sink into a depression or, you know, vice versa. So you can be really depressed and then you start beating yourself up and get really anxious about that. So it's definitely like important for, for therapists and, you know, just people in general to be able to understand that if there's some anxiety going on, we need to do a check-in with depression, make sure that that's okay as well, because more times than not, you know, they're intertwined. Right. Alicia, I have a question for you. You don't have to answer only if you're comfortable. Is that something that when in therapy that you receive, like, um, the scales, does your therapist scale you like every, I think I get it like every other month where I get scales read to me on a scale of one to 10. How are, you know, are you feeling sad? I always get the depression questions and anxiety. Um, I've done that in the past with uh, other counselors when I was an undergrad. Um, But my current therapist, we don't, we don't have that approach. Okay. Okay. I was just interested in that because I'm like, does everybody receive that? Like, they know <laughs> primary care doctors do, right? They ask right. those things. Um, and anybody who's listening, that's always a good source to start with. If you're having any of these feelings, your primary physician, you know, you tell them how you're feeling, they'll be able to give you the resources, referrals that, you know, are needed. And I think they're really important. And it's really, I believe um, that it's really important to have an open relationship with your primary care physician. They can really help you. Like they're not there to hurt you, harm you. Like they want to, they want to help too, you know? Right. And, Definitely. Um, and you, you know, it, you did say that it's helpful. Like in the very beginning, I think that if you aren't as aware of your anxiety and your depression and how those are showing up to you, it's definitely helpful to do the scales Mm -hmm. and to see how it changes each week or month, or, you know, each time you visit your therapist or your prime, your primary doctor. Mm -hmm. But, um, it's definitely something that I think is more helpful in the beginning and throughout your journey of exploring, like, okay, this is what I'm feeling. It's anxiety, it's depression, and this is how it's showing up for me. And really like, it's kind of like the training wheels to understanding what that is for you. Right. Thank you for that, Alisa. That was a really good explanation. Thank, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Look at you. I could see that therapist coming out. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then a little bit about social anxiety. I wanted to add in also, I'm still um, reading from the Anxiety and Depression Association of America. So social anxiety disorder, which is known as SAD, affects 15 million adults or 
50% of the U.S. population. SAD is equally common among men and women and typically begins around age 13. So I definitely, um, I'm, I'm interested and I'm ready to like read studies about how, you know, youth have been really affected by the pandemic when it comes to like social anxiety. Cause I know there's a lot there. There's going to be a lot there in the research in the future, but especially social anxiety. I'm really interested to see, you know, because I, I feel like a lot of people are like I have social anxiety and it's like, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure a lot of people do. It's, right. Um, and I think about the kids during the pandemic and how they weren't able to have like that social interaction with like e-learning and things like that. So I, I think about the same thing, (laughs) like, how is this affecting them? How can we work on like strategies to help with their social socialization in the future? Mm -hmm. Um, because even in grad school, you know, we sit there in class and a lot of us have to kind of relearn how to socialize with others, Um, especially because, you know, we're still wearing our masks, we're still social distancing. So it's just different. Um, So I'm also excited to see the research that comes, you know, from this experience. You could definitely tell we're psych majors. (laughs) (laughs) How is this impacting us socially and psychologically? (laughs) For sure. Yeah, there's something very special about us psych majors that we just, you know, we like stuff <laughs> like this. We like facts and statistics and things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the thing for me, like, and I also, I, I want to do this, but it's just like time. Where do I find the time to do it? I'm interested, like how social media, like impacts, like social anxiety because social right. media, you could be whoever you want, right? Like you can be, but how does one like deal when they're not like, okay, say you're, I'm going to meet you up in two days. And then you go to meet. I don't know. I'm going, I'm going down the rabbit hole, but I'm just interested how social media like affects like people with social anxiety. Definitely. It makes sense. I actually saw this show yesterday where um, there was this couple and they were like talking to each other through social media. And there was so much conversation, so many things that they would explore. And once they met in person, it was just crickets, silence, Mm. because they didn't know how to handle that situation. Um, So, you know, people who are kind of forced into that because of the pandemic and because of like the increased use of social media and the internet and everything. It, it's definitely, I'm sure many people struggle with that and experience that too. And it's challenging, you know, especially if again, like tying it back to children, if that's all, you know, you've never really experienced being in the school setting, being with peers. Mm-hmm. It's, I can't even imagine how difficult it'll be for them to learn how to interact with people at, you know, a later age and a later stage in their development mm-hmm. than we did, you know, because we didn't live through a pandemic like that in the beginning of our schooling. Um, sorry, I'm being a nerd. Oh, no, no. no. <laughs> and even thinking as you're talking about that, the separation anxiety, if you're yes. with your caretaker, if you're with your adult or whoever caretakes for you, how it must feel to like have to leave them or right. even 
I know for, I'm an adult and the pandemic created for me, like, I don't want to leave my house. Like I'm having separation <laughs> anxiety from my house every time I have to commute to work. Like I, I used to like my commute. I used to listen to music. I used to sing in the car, have my car concerts, but now I'm like, I don't want to leave the house. Uh, I'd rather be here. Like, and then, you know, it, I start to trickle down into the rabbit hole. There's so many germs. I'm going to get sick. I'm going to get COVID. Right. Oh my God. I don't want to be around anybody. And then it's, it has created a little bit of social anxiety for me I mean it just I I think overall I'm just anxious around people (laughs) but uh, I think that having that like fear even of you know and that turns into anger like oh don't you want to come hang out no no I don't (laughs) right definitely there's so many other things to consider you know the safety of, you know, yourself and your household and the safety of others and making sure that, you know, if there's any germs, you don't want to spread them, of course. And it's frustrating because, you know, you want, at some point you want to be social, you want to go do these things with people, Mm -hmm. but is it worth, you know, putting your household at risk? Is it worth, you know, putting yourself at risk? Um, So it's, it's definitely very challenging. And I'm glad you shared about, you know, how you used to like your commute and now you're like, no, I, I like being at home because <laughs> I've experienced the same thing. It, it's, I used to love and like really, really look forward to my commutes. Um, and now I'm doing like a hybrid with school. So I'm, you know, in, uh, on campus and then I'm not. Um, so I'm kind of like getting back into enjoying those commutes again. But it's definitely challenging, you know, leaving the house in the morning. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I think the biggest challenge that um, I have heard from others is just like their families, how getting sick will affect their families or how being around other people, because we need socialization. Right. You know, even I, I don't know. I don't know. To me, I feel like even people with social anxiety, having that having that interaction through social media that's still socializing right I mean you know it just being able to have community and be around other people is important even if it is through the internet and I think that what the pandemic did was it created a lot more anxiety in people like hey I, I know I don't really like going around people, but now I can't wait. What? Like, no, I want to be around people. Like, you know, even if I, even if I don't talk, cause I know there are times where I go and I'm around new people and I'm like, I'm not saying anything, but I really am I'm internally. I'm enjoying this. <laughs> like, I may not be talking, but that doesn't mean I'm not enjoying being around other people. Right. I'm having a great time. I'm just an <laughs> right right and that that's the hard thing about being an introvert I feel right. like people just write you off as oh my god she's so quiet she doesn't want to say anything but I'm like I'm having fun I promise <laughs> I love it <laughs> I just don't know how to express it like I can't even smile <laughs> yeah I definitely experienced the same thing um I think in the podcast about depression you guys touched on um, group counseling. Mm -hmm. I think if you have social anxiety that can really, really help. I've been trying to find, um, a group that I can attend for anxiety and it's just challenging, you know, like with my work and my school schedule, but it's definitely something that I think is so helpful. I know when I was in high school, we had like group sessions in the school. Um, 
And so, you know, once a week we would meet and we would just like share our thoughts and our, our feelings. And I'd be able to form really good connections through that. Um, and of course, you know, in the beginning it was really scary. Um, but, you know, as you interact and you hear other people's experiences, you see just how human they are. And you right. see that, you know, you're kind of in it together. Um, so I am an advocate for group counseling. I definitely, it's on my radar. I definitely need to find a group. So if you hear of any, let me know. Yeah. If you're listening to this and you know of any groups or you may be facilitating any groups, let us know, because I think that's useful information for others. Um, because like I said, I think, I think the thing too, about like having anxiety just in general it's like that fear of being judged by others. Right. I don't, I don't know how I can deal with being judged by someone. What if they don't like me? What if, and it can really snowball into affecting your self-esteem and your self-perception. Right. I don't know if you've had any experience with that. I know I, I want to be around people, but I'm just afraid to be looked at as like, what's wrong with her? (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? Like, oh like why is she stuck up like I'm not stuck up I promise I'm really nice (laughs) definitely no I struggle with the same thing um or even just you know tying you back into the social media there's so many ways that we feel we need to express ourselves we need to sound like look like dress like all of these things that it's just like going from scrolling on your phone to going out and being around others. It's like, I see the judgment on social media. Is that the same thing that I'm going to receive in person? And so, you know, that's also, that also contributes to my anxiety. And I think like, okay, I'm going to go out and I'm going to be with this specific group of people. What do I wear? What do I say? What, you know, it's just, you know, leading down another rabbit hole like that. Um, So it's definitely, I, I think that's, something that, you know, can be improved when you go to group counseling and you can really see like, and hear from your peers in that group that they're not judging you nine times out of 10. You know, these are people who have the same struggles as you. These are people who are having the same kind of thoughts. Um, And so it really helps you to kind of learn how to view the world differently and view social interactions differently after that. Right. I agree. Thank you for sharing that, Alisa. That was really good insight. That was helpful for me too. <laughs> so I'm just like, yeah, that's true. Because if you are with a group of alike people, you know, you're going to be able to relate. And that's what that's what you want to have in support. You want somebody who's going to be able to relate to you. So again, if anybody knows of any groups, you know, please let us know. Um yeah, I, I really would like to look it up. I really would. Uh, I'm getting anxious just even thinking about it. Things have changed in my job. So I have a lot more responsibility now. So um, yeah, I'm going to try to give the podcast 100% of me. But sometimes I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to have the time for like looking up resources. So let's help each other out. Let's be a community. If you guys definitely. know of anything, definitely let, let me know and I will post it up. But uh All right, Alicia. So what are some of the things you do for self-care? So some of the things I do for self-care, I'm still building my self-care routines. Um, I like to really like be outside. It's a little difficult, you know, because it's cold right now. Um, But even just like a little walk around the block or around the corner, 
you know, it's, it's very helpful for me to get that fresh air. Um, another thing that I'm trying to work on is building like more of like an active routine for myself. So going to the gym or working out at home, getting my body moving, doing yoga. Oh my gosh. Yoga has been so great lately. Um, so yeah, things like that. Sometimes I think that my anxiety puts me in this state of isolation. Um, so, you know, being able to catch that and knowing like, Hey, maybe I should call a friend right now. Maybe I should call somebody to see if, you know, they want to hang out and we can go out and do something. Um, and like socializing. So that's been really helpful for me. Um, tapping into my creativity. So I really, really love painting. It helps me so much. I have like a whole routine. I put good music on, I get all of my paint supplies ready. And I really just like, you know, enjoy the moment and channel that creativity. Yeah. And shout out to you, you and your sister, right? were the ones who made the, the affirmation signs for the walk that we did in September. And every, a lot of compliments, Alicia, a lot of compliments on those signs. So you keep being creative because you're really like, you're really, really good at it. And we appreciated the signs a lot. Thank you so much. My sister and I really, really enjoyed creating those. It was so much fun. We did the same kind of thing, put music on, you know, we ate some good food and we just got like really good energy flowing and it was really fun. I enjoyed doing that. Yeah. So thank you again. It was very much appreciated. And like I said, a lot of compliments, a lot of people really loved what you guys wrote. You know, the affirmations were beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Thank you. Well, would there be anything else, Alicia, that you would like to share with anybody listening who may be suffering just like us from anxiety. Um, I think it's it's very easy to get stuck in that negative self-talk and in those dark moments. And something that has helped me is, you know, going back to that, that saying, um, the sun will rise and we will try again. And I feel like that just takes such a heavy burden off of myself. And it allows me to, to rest and to understand that the next day I can... I can, you know, try my best again. Um, So I think that has been really helpful for me. So finding something that works similar for you um, to kind of create that, that safety within yourself and that care for yourself. Um, So definitely one of my biggest tips and like the biggest advice I could give is seek therapy. I think therapy is so helpful. And if you can't, you know, reach out to somebody, there's always somebody there who, who cares for you and who loves you and who wants you to grow. And, you know, I think it's really important to understand that, you know, you deserve to not feel anxious all the time. You deserve to have that safety and security and stability. And, you know, there's really no shame and absolutely no harm in seeking therapy. So it it could be one of the best decisions you can make in your life. So if anybody has questions on that, I'm always available. You know, um, Sarah has like the best resources and (laughs) it's just so helpful to be able to take that step for yourself because you deserve it. You know, you deserve happiness. 
Yeah, you deserve to live a fulfilling life. And, you know, know that you're not alone. Whoever is listening to this, you're not alone. I will say it time and time again. If I say it every podcast, I will. You're not alone, you know, here. It's so so easy to feel that way, you know, Mm -hmm. when you are in the state of anxiety. But, you know, it's not true. Ask yourself, is that true? And it's not. You know, there's people who are out here who who want to help you. You just you just have to find them and they're there. Yeah. And if anybody is having trouble reaching someone, I'm always here. It's what I it's what I do as part of my work. Like, you know, I'm I I like to find resources. I like to help people. So if you are searching for somebody, if you need some help, let me know. Um, so let me know. And I also wanted to add this and I've been meaning to add this because even the last episode about depression, it said like more women suffer from this than men. If there's any men listening to this out there and they really want to come on this podcast and share, maybe they're going through anxiety, depression, you know, some kind of mental illness, reach out. I would love to talk to you. So that way we could see both sides. Depression happens in men. You know, my husband is depressed. He's not as open. He is okay with me sharing it on the podcast. Not too much though. He is anxious too. (laughs) He does have anxiety too. Um, But if you're willing and you want to, I will leave you anonymous if you'd like, but I don't know if I could do like, I don't know if Mikey can voice over, you know, have that um, like they do on the interviews for gangland. You like sound the the sound effects or um, the voice changing? Yeah, the voice changing. Thank you, Alicia. My mom, you know, that Starbucks hasn't kicked in yet. <laughs> no problem. But yeah, definitely- it, it's it definitely would be helpful because there's this grand idea that only women struggle with this or men, you know, if you struggle with depression and anxiety, you're not strong. You're not a man. That's not true. You know, you're human. So embrace the humanity. And if you need help, there's no shame in help and asking for that. So right. I'm excited to see, you know, men appear on your podcast. That would be really, really helpful for, you know, that area of the population. I agree a hundred percent. And I mean, just because I'm a woman sitting in this chair doesn't mean I don't want to hear a man's story. If anything, I'm eager for a male to come on here and talk about his experience, how he deals, how he manages, because he could be helping the next guy to say, hey, I don't have to sit here in silence anymore. And know that we don't, men, we don't want you to sit in silence. We don't. Like, women are men. No one should have to feel alone. No one, you know? I even saw, okay, I'm going to go down a little bit off track. I even saw at Petco yesterday, they had something and it had a dog and cat there and it said mental health. We're even including animals in this. (laughs) But in all seriousness, like this, it's just the time that we're living in. Like we really need, this is stuff we need to talk about. Seriously. We really need to talk about it. You know, when you look at the numbers on suicide and even people who just feel suicidal, like no one should have to feel like this. And right. I really, I really can't stress enough. Come and talk, come and talk. That's all. Like, like, I don't have to say who you are, we keep, but just come and talk. Cause I feel like it's important to get it out there and know that you're not alone. Definitely. So. And you know, the things that you bring to the podcast, you know, somebody listening needs to hear that, you know, and you may not know that even me sitting here now, there's probably so many things that we've talked about and we've touched on that 
is completely resonating with somebody who's listening. So, you know, just understanding that any future men or boys who come onto this podcast, you know, it's not just being extended to women. It's being extended to young boys who are learning their emotions and their coping skills and, you know, growing into that. Um, It's reaching other men who have been suppressing these feelings for a long time because of fear, you know, and they'll be able to embrace, you know, what they're experiencing and be able to, to share. So it's just, you never really understand and know how many people, you know, your wisdom and your insight and your experience is reaching until you put yourself out there and you do it. So it's definitely something that I'm really looking forward to hearing in the future. Yeah. I, like I said, I'm really looking forward to men reaching out and wanting to be a part of this too, was, you know, it's, it's happening and it's happening. And I'm, I love hearing people's stories. It's always interesting to me. And it's always, I always get really excited <laughs> to hear other people's stories. And another thing, this is a safe space. You are not going to come on here um, and be invalidated or made fun of. Cause if that, that's one thing I don't stand, like don't invalidate other people. Like feelings are real. Emotions are real. And that will be a reflection episode. I will be doing, I'll be talking about invalidation and I really hope it helps somebody because lately a lot of invalidating has been going on around my part of town and I don't like it. So, All right, Alicia, it was a pleasure to talk to you and, and just have you on here. I can't wait till you are finished. I'm going to have you on here again, girl. I'm going to have you on here all the time. You're going to be like a, a weekly guest. <laughs> of course, no problem. Yeah, yeah. So, all right, everybody, thank you for listening. And um, we'll see what happens in the future. Men, reach out. Come on, reach. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. The DMs are open. I don't know if I can say that. I don't know if my husband would like that too. (laughs) All right. Well, again, thanks everybody for listening and supporting. Find me at Mind If We Chat. And thank you, everybody. See you later. Bye. I am not a mental health professional. I am an individual who is passionate about mental health and topics related to mental health. Research has been done on these topics and I am sharing my own personal experience. All conversation and information exchange are intended for informational and entertainment purposes only. Any information shared should not be used as medical advice or to self-diagnose. If you believe you are experiencing an emergency, please talk to your primary physician or call 911. Thank you.